0: For those of you out there, when you were a kid, there was a, a song that stuck in my head and I used to run around saying it when I was younger. I want to be an airborne ranger. Well, that was so much fun when you were a kid, but so few people actually follow through with their dreams. I'm Dr. Jason Alvian, and this is Structurally Sound. Our guest today he is actually an airborne ranger. Uh, his name is Dr. Tony Brooks, and he also practices structural chiropractic, which is near and dear to my heart. So this is going to be a, a great compliment to what we both do, but then also more about what Tony does. Welcome, Tony.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So Tony, t- tell tell us about your, your story. I mean, uh, Airborne ranger chiropractor how does this come about in your life?
1: yeah it's uh, it's an interesting way it happened. I mean everyone remembers 9/11 and everyone remembers where they were and what they were doing at that time. Well for me I was I was a you know a freshman in college so I just gave away my age right I'm a freshman <laughs> in college at the University of Arizona and 911 happens within the first month of college. And you know, I was away from home. Um, I'm originally from Northern California. So I was in Tucson. And emotionally it it shook everyone, but it really shook me being that young kid away from home. And I was a kid, I wasn't an adult yet. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I don't think any of us I,
0: ever get to be an adult, right?
1: <laughs> well, I could I could definitely make that argument for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean th- we were first month of college. And it shook me up enough to where I got on the phone with my dad and said, Dad, I think I'm going to join the army. Uh, You know, seeing seeing the falling man out of one of the Twin Towers was an image I will never forget. It's just ingrained in my head. And it basically stayed there. And it will stay there forever. So I told my dad, I'm joining the military. And my dad, being a, a geologist, he said, well, why don't you wait, think about this, and then see if that's what you really want. Don't make a snap judgment off of emotion. And I, this is one of the probably the few times I ever did this. I actually listened to my dad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I waited that full year of college. And a lot of things happened in that year. Obviously, we went to war we had uh, a, a very influential movie for me, which was Black Hawk Down came out shortly thereafter.
0: I remember and then
1: at the end of my first year, there was a guy named Pat Tillman who decided to leave the NFL and become an Airborne Ranger. And that was the final straw for me. Uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to go fight for my country. So that's kind of how I ended up as an Airborne Ranger. Wasn't the kid that typically would have gone that path. So very interesting chain of events there.
0: So you jump into this, um, you go through the military, you become an airborne ranger. Um, Eventually, obviously you um, finish your time of service and then you go back to being a freshman in college?
1: Um, No, I, you know, I I finished that first year. So I got to kind of jump into that second year of college, thankfully. okay, But um, I, I did do a one year at a a community college in Southern California. It's called College of the Canyons. It's really awesome, um, and I excelled, and then transferred into the University of Southern California. Okay. So that's where my journey began in chiropractic, at least.
0: Okay, so now now we're we're obviously we're jumping here, um, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, now you you're going off into chiropractic. Did that time in between service influencing you and wanting to do chiropractic? Or was this something before you made the decision to be an airborne ranger?
1: You know, I, I actually didn't have that as part of my path either. It was, it was through service that I kind of, and this is no pun intended. I fell into it, (laughs) um, jumping out of airplanes and carrying all the weight that I carried over and over again. I had a lot of back problems when I got out, you know, I only served one enlistment of four years in active duty, but when I was getting out, I was in a massive amount of pain. And that's one of the reasons why I did get out. And I could not find anyone to help me. I went to multiple orthopedic surgeons. They sent me to PT. PT was moderately successful, uh, but I was still hurting. And I I felt like, you know, I, I was at 25 years old. I felt like I was 50. Like I was calling my dad, dad, is your back hurt every day? (laughs) He said, no. (laughs) So that's kind of how I, you know, my wife actually forced me to go to a chiropractor against my will. You know, I, I probably never would have gone if it weren't for her. Um, as you know, being a doctor yourself, there are a lot of people that have a preconceived notion on what chiropractic is and what it isn't. So, and that was me. I was set in my ways. So my wife forced me to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, see, I, my my chiropractic story started a little different. My first time to chiropractor, I was eleven. Uh, my mother went, so she brought me to get checked and got adjusted, and that was my first time. But it still wasn't a path I had chosen at that time. But yeah, here here we are. Um, and there is, like we said, a lot of preconceived notions out there on what certain types of chiropractic is, and the chiropractors are the ones that did that. <laughs> we did it to 100%. ourselves. Oh yeah. So I, I know the way you practice and the way I practice is definitely different. Um, and you brought up uh, jumping out of planes and hurting your back. I have a protection plan patient here now that's in his 50s and he did a full career in the military. And he said, I don't know why anybody would want to jump out of planes. He goes, but I, he goes, I did it. he goes, my daughter's now in the military and I urged her getting into anything but jumping out of planes.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's ironic as fun as it is it's really not fun because they don't talk about, yeah, the jumping part's great, but what happens after that and before that is really where the, where you make your bread, right? The first, the beginning, first you're carrying probably a hundred pounds of weight. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: the jump feels amazing. And then you have to hit the ground and you hit the ground at, you know, 30 miles an hour. So there's nothing glorious about it. It's horrible on the spine. It's horrible on the body. And I mean, the, the landing for a parachute jump is called a PLF. And if you've never heard that term, it's the parachute landing fall for a reason, because <laughs> you do fall.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, 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 when you watch these movies and everything, people aren't landing on their feet. You gotta, you gotta roll correct, uh, correctly. I mean, I don't know about it, but I'm sure that you had a lot of training on how to land correctly. And even with that, you still had issues at 25. How are you today?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's um, it's funny because you know you do all this training and they tell you how to fall, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, this is how you crash a car pop- properly, right? Mm-hmm. There's really no way to do it, okay. so it's just don't get hurt. That's okay. <laughs> really what it comes down to.
0: So, how, how many jumps have you had recorded?
1: Uh, I was right around fifty jumps total. Uh-huh. Um, I had some extras that I did towards the end of my. Time and as an airborne ranger that I did for fun again, because mm-hmm. I knew I was getting out. So I did a whole bunch on one day. Okay. So really, it's probably around 40.
0: Okay. But so, but you're looking at, at 40 to 50 jumps, and that was enough to put you into that discomfort you were in at 25. Wow. And then, mm-hmm. so you went through chiropractic, and here you are today, and you're a practicing chiropractor, uh, structural chiropractic specifically. And how does your back hold up? What are some of the things that you are doing? Um, how often do you see your chiropractor?
1: Uh, no less than 10 days.
0: Okay, No less than <laughs> and, 10 days. I'm very
1: specific, right?
0: Uh huh. 10 okay. days. I get checked
1: by my chiropractor every 10 days and it's not usually not because of pain, it's because something is not right. And I get, always get this little weird hint from my body that something's not right. And before there's pain and I always, Listen now because I've, I've gone through this exercise enough that um, every 10 days I need to be at least checked. Um, exercising regularly is extremely important. Um, strength training, uh, I'm a big advocate for strength training. Some of the exercises that you can hurt yourself the most in are usually some of the best ones, also, if done properly. So, okay. I, I mean, one is like the deadlift, it's very dangerous for the low back if done incorrectly, mm-hmm. but when done properly, it's extremely helpful. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I found that, you know, lightening the weights is always a good thing. Doing more reps is always a good thing.
0: All right. Uh, So your your practice, uh, structural chiropractic. Um, Mm -hmm. With that being said, give us an idea on what it's like for a new patient to come to your office and what's the the experience that you want them to, to get out of that?
1: Yeah, I, I always treat patients with the assumption that they've never seen anyone like me. So I go through step by step process of explaining everything that I do, you know, showing them the ropes, giving them ample opportunity to ask questions, and really flooding them with as much education as I can, in a way that's logical and flows well. One that's not, you know, all medical jargon. One that's not. Um, forcing them to do anything it's Mm -hmm. giving them the tools to make the right decision for themselves. And it does take me about an hour, it's an hour and a half with every new patient. And I enjoy that part. It's one of my favorite things is, you know, taking someone off the street and and helping them on their journey to where they want to go and to understand the patient and where they want to go is extremely important to me. You know, I have a place I want to take them, but if that doesn't line up, then I will find them the right person, because it may not be me. So <laughs> it's very fun. I, I enjoy that process.
0: Yeah, I, I just um, actually had a, a message sent to me from one of my uh, advertisings uh, that came up today that said, um, that um, and the guy was very polite about it, but he started out talking about how he was hurt by a chiropractor and he wanted to make sure that uh, I'm not out there hurting people and everything like that. And when we got to the bottom of it, he has ankylosing spondylitis. And this was just somebody that was talking to me. So I thought, I'm like, yeah, that's not something... That would be in my office for the typical chiropractic adjustment. It's just that type of disease, just it's, they're in the wrong office. So it seems like you do a lot of the same thing, making sure that you want the person to get what they want, but at the same time, get them through a process that is beneficial for them. And if your office is not, you're sending them out.
1: Absolutely, and that's a great point. Is someone with ankylosing spondylitis? Spondylitis isn't going to have a lot of movement of the spine.
0: No, nope. and yeah, that's is the bottom <laughs> line, right?
1: And and when they're flared up, uh, adjusting that flared up area is going to make them worse. Yeah. So, I mean, having that conversation with someone and saying, when you're having a flare up, you know, I'm not going to be adjusting that area. It's not effective. Um, there are ways we can help them, obviously, but it's May be different with than what they expect, so you have to have that conversation and that's what you know I know you do this and I do this as well Is We have that initial conversation to make sure we're on the same page before we begin care, because obviously now that person whoever that chiropractor was that you know flared up his as mm-hmm. should have had that conversation with him before so. It's unfortunate because we have to deal with that aftermath.
0: Yes, yes. but that, that's I, I. You do the same thing. You have the complimentary consultations at the beginning and that's where you get all the questions answered and you give the patient everything they need to make the decision. Uh, based on what they tell you, you can give them an idea on how long it'll take should there be no um, underlying concerns that they're in the wrong office about how much it will cost during that period of time. and like a start and a finish point this way they, it's not, you're not coming forever. It's a start and a finish to that corrective care. So they understand. And I think that's where a lot of some of the other practitioners that I've seen ha- have fallen short is they're not giving them that, that end time at the beginning. Um, and then it does feel like it has to go on forever if it's not laid out in front of them.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I always have an end point and an end goal. And we agree on it, and we move forward at that point. Um, if there's no agreement, then there's no point in moving forward because you're gonna you're starting off in disagreement, you're gonna end in disagreement. Mm-hmm. So I don't I yeah I'll get them to the where they need to go.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, it's 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 great to have that conversation at the the beginning. Otherwise, like you said, it's two, three, four visits, and they disappear and in that many visits, you really aren't going to get the results that they were looking for, and you hear people say, "I tried it and it didn't work." <laughs> I'd be like, "I often hear that." <laughs> I ate salads for three days and I didn't lose any weight. So, okay, well, <laughs> this is unfortunately this is one of those types of cares that it's a time and consistency care versus a quick, let's get it done now care. And yeah,
1: hundred percent. And I always, you know, have that conversation that time and repetition is what we're after Mm -hmm. because we're retraining your brain on how to function at a normal level. It's really what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) And everyone knows if you want to learn something well, that involves the brain. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to learn normal, normal motion, you have to practice and you have to repeat that practice. Mm -hmm. Um, No one gets great doing it their first time.
0: (laughs) No, no, I know that from golf. (laughs) Yes. So now now you have this person that they come through, they go through their exam, they get all their um, recommendations as far as what you're offering for care. Now, once they get these recommendations and they come to see you on that regular basis, about how long is an appointment in your office once they're on a a care plan?
1: Most people get in and out of my office fairly fast. I would say uh, the people who really take a lot of time and do all of the exercises um, as prescribed, it should take about 15 minutes total. Um, But most people are out in 10 because people like to get in and out. They have their busy lives. I live in a very tech-focused area, Mm -hmm. and time is everything to them. So we have to be quick.
0: I, I usually tell my patients that from the time they walk in the door to the time they leave, about 20 minutes. Um, this way they know when they come in, they sign in, they might have a moment in the waiting room. They go in, they do the, uh, the therapy care that we recommend it. They finish it off with the type of adjustment that's appropriate for them. Um, and then they're on their way. So yeah, you it's, got it. Uh, I, this way, if they're out faster, they're even happier. <laughs> so yeah, sounds like a, a lot. Like I said, we're, we're working along the same lines, but yeah, I mean, 10 minutes 15 minutes, 20 minutes, if you start spending any more time with that and you need somebody to come a few times a week, that just, it takes a lot. It really takes a lot. And if you can get the same type of, of consistency and correction in a faster time while they're in there, I don't blame you. I would do it too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's all about the repetition uh, over a period of time. That's really what it comes down to. And you know this, so it doesn't matter if it's eight minutes or 12 minutes or 16 minutes, mm-hmm. as long as they're there, you know, consistently, they're going to do just fine.
0: All right. So we're, we're going to, we're going to move off of chiropractic for a moment here, because I really want to get into the uh, book that you just published and is about ready to launch.
1: Yeah. So my book, leave no man behind comes out, uh, August 10th. It'll be in stores everywhere. It's about mm-hmm. the rescue of Marcus Luttrell, who was uh, the subject of the movie, The Lone Survivor, starring Mark Wahlberg. So if you've ever seen the movie, it's a great movie. This is the first time anyone's told the story of the rescue or from the rescuer's perspective, which I happen to be on the primary search and recovery team for Marcus. So. It's exciting. I mean, there's a lot of people that are excited to finally hear this Ugh. other part of the story. Um, it's nothing like the movie depicted it. it. You know, we were out there for over a week looking for mm-hmm. everyone on the ground, not 10 wow. seconds like in the movie.
0: <laughs> wow. So I, mean, so you got the firsthand knowledge on what it was. So you wrote about your life experience with that rescue.
1: Yeah, I wrote the first person, you know, I was, I was the recovery team, so I was, it was me and about 30 other guys that oh, were wow. at,
0: That's a lot of at
1: the primary yeah. crash site for one of the helicopters that was shot down. So I, I personally helped recover that helicopter and all the men on board and then was running around the mountain of Satalosar Sar in Afghanistan, looking for Marcus, which was quite the experience.
0: How, how did you get on this recovery team?
1: Um, in the special operations world, there's a, a lot of different people that respond based on that mission type. Well, this was a mission gone bad. And the United States military, when missions go bad, they kind of send in the, one of the larger forces that's responsible for cleaning up the the enemy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. and. In, in the United States military, the 75th Ranger Regiment is one of the hardest hitting forces we, we have. And I was a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment. So they sent us in after we lost a Chinook helicopter that was shot down. So that's how I ended up there.
0: Wow. Uh, I know it's going to be in your book, but what type of feelings did you have going through it? What type of feelings do you get now knowing that you went through that?
1: um it's still a little surreal actually looking back on it all you when you train as hard as we did in the 75th ranger regiment you are very much expert so when you have a mission or a task you just get it done no questions asked you do it Um, and when it involves your own men nothing's going to stop you uh human human willpower overpowers all the emotions that could hit you. And yes, we had emotions. Yes, it was awful. But at the end of the day, I looked at the guys that we were going to recover and said, you know, that easily could have been me. That's a fellow American. And to, to us, anyone who's wearing the, the flag on their shoulder, the American flag, we are going to risk our lives to, to help you out because you'll do the same for us a very different mindset than most people ever uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But looking back, you know, obviously I had a lot more emotions than than I realized. But most of it actually came out when I was writing. I realized, man, at that moment I was really scared. <laughs> I, I at the at the time I didn't think I was scared. I thought I was just anxious or ready to fight. Mm-hmm. But no, that, there was fear there. And coming to that realization of how scary some of that stuff actually is, is um, kind of a good exercise for people to go through when you've had a traumatic experience. Um, I feel like I learned more on that one mission than I learned in four years of college, because I learned about me as a human, not Mm -hmm. just girls and books. I learned the limits of the, the human body and the mind. So. You know, having these experiences isn't always a bad thing.
0: No, no. So I, I see a, a lot of uh, VA patients here in my practice because we got some VA hospitals really close to my office. And mm-hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things that that I've noticed is somebody that has been in the military, they've had to trust the people around them with their life. Even if they didn't like them, There, there was still that trust knowing that, we have to have each other's back. And then you come back out into society and out of the military and working for a corporation or working for somebody, it's, you don't nobody has your back. And you feel like you're alone from what I've gathered from that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, am, am I on the right lines thinking that, that coming back into society is a, is a hard transition because you don't have that camaraderie like you do in the military?
1: yeah and and I would say this to obviously any veteran that's watching getting that camaraderie again, you may never find it, but that's okay it's just you have to you can't expect to have that when it's not life or death situation it's just not something that the human body and the human. society allows but yes it's a it's a very difficult. uh, transition going from yeah, even if I didn't like that guy, I know he would die to try to help me and I would do the same for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you get in the workforce, that's never going to be the case. uh, Aside from like first responders, uh, people that are in those life or death situations. So I 100% felt the same way. And I actually kind of talk about this in my book. Um, In my author's note, I use a scene from Lord of the Rings. And in the Lord of the Rings, there's a scene where all of the, the warriors are sitting there che- having cheers and sharing beers in a bar. And no one really recognizes that they're there. They are so enamored by this large pumpkin, actually, that they're like celebrating the pumpkin and they don't realize that people sitting right next to them just saved the world. But the guys that saved the world, they understand it. Mm -hmm. So what I would say, to to come back to that topic, I would say to veterans, I would say, you got to seek other veterans and you got to have them in your circle. You won't have that same connection elsewhere. You just have to recognize that. It's tough. (laughs) And you're 100% correct that all veterans feel this emptiness when they get out because that is gone. It's dog-eat-dog-world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Stuff. There's, there, there, there's a, a lot that I think uh, society can learn from the way the people in military have to really kind of bond together. And um, what, what I've noticed, uh, so my my wife is from Israel. So she had to go through the Israeli Defense Force. And I've been to that country. And you can see a a camaraderie among the citizens there because they've all gone through it. They've all been in that life or death situation. They've all had to go through the the military where, granted here it's volunteer, people don't get to go through that. And so it's hard to understand where somebody's coming from.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen a, a parallel to the Israeli population as well, but again, you you mentioned something that's very important to understand is it's mandatory for them. Yes. So for us, it's a very different because all of these people volunteered. We didn't mm-hmm. have we, we we were in twenty year war. I mean, twenty years of war, and we didn't have anyone there that didn't volunteer. I think that's pretty amazing, actually, if you think about it. You know, millennials get a bad rap. I'm a millennial also, but I would say this is one of the first generations that didn't have to, they didn't have to be forced to go to war for their country.
0: Yeah, They I, went I, willingly. I was at the uh, tail end of uh, Gen X, so I'm giving my age out there too. And uh, <laughs> when you brought up 9-11 earlier, it brings everybody back to where they were. Um, I was do, I, I was a massage therapist at the time in a chiropractic office. Um, out by in Fort Lee, New Jersey, right next to the George Washington Bridge. And I was doing a massage from nine to 10 o'clock on a retired Air Force veteran. Um, And I remember halfway through the massage, he goes to me, he goes, there's got to be something more going on out in New York City right now. He goes, I just heard two F-15s fly overhead. So he was able to tell what type of plane it was in the room we're in. And we finished the massage. We came out and there it is, 10, 15, and everybody in the office is staring at the TV and the towers had already pretty much come down. And what did I do during that hour? I gave somebody a massage.
1: <laughs> Completely yeah, that's, in a different world. <laughs> it's unbelievable how you went from that moment of tr- helping that one person to like, oh my God. Yeah. A, a war just <laughs> happened and I was in there.
0: You yeah. Know? Oh yeah, very, very interesting. All right, so tell everybody um, out there where you can be found for your chiropractic office and then tell us about how to get a hold of your book.
1: Yeah, I think the the best way to ever get a hold of me is my own personal website, which is drtonybrooks.com or drtonybrooks.com. And to find my book, you can find it essentially at any bookstore, Um, obviously amazon.com barnesandnoble.com are great resources but don't forget your local bookstores they've been really hit hard and i would love for them to sell lots of my book
0: oh yeah oh yeah so and again the title of your book for the for the audience
1: yeah so the title of the book is leave no man behind
0: yep leave no man behind by tony brooks dr tony brooks All right, and then tell us about your chiropractic office for the people that are listening that are close to you.
1: Yeah, so we are in Redmond, Washington, and it's structural chiropractic. Um, We currently, you know, are a very busy practice. Um, But if you call or reach out to our office, we can always find a, a, a time for you to come in within the next month or so.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on here. And thank you for your service.
1: Thank you very much for having me. And hopefully someone learned something about either chiropractic or Operation Red Wings out in Afghanistan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dr. Tony. This is Dr. Jason with Structurally Sound. We'll see you next time.